The podcast is back. The podcast is back. The podcast is back. Now, I'm going to try not to get too pissed off as I uh, record this, and I've said the podcast is back about 17 times now because uh, the goddamn power keeps going off in the middle of recording this. I would say Nikki and I spent probably about 35 minutes uh, over three different recording sessions trying to get this goddamn cold open recorded. I'm to the point now where I'm going to try and get keep this to like 90 seconds uh and hopefully i can save it before the fucking power goes out again so i can get this podcast out to my faithful listeners um so yeah this is uh, just another white guys podcast i'm dustin jones happy to have you along for the ride one more time we're gonna get to uh the full interview i did with uh previous guest of the program donnie hernison we're gonna talk about uh things happening in oregon elections in the midterms uh some of the stuff that happened uh overall in the in the country we're gonna talk about some uh some sports stuff and uh we'll also get him to give us his list as well as the Pivo questionnaire. So we have a lot of fun in this uh, in this conversation. I think that you will enjoy it. Uh, before uh, while, while we were recording this, um, unfortunately, um, and and before I had a chance to talk with him about it, we learned that uh, Marvel uh, Comics founder, creator, um, overall nerd, uh, standard bearer and modern myth maker Stan Lee uh, passed away at the age of 93. Uh, very sad uh, to hear that. Thankfully, he left us with a long line of great stories uh, and characters that will live on. Um, and and for that, uh, we can't uh, be more thankful. Sad that he's gone. Sad that he won't uh, be making any more uh, appearance at Comic-Cons is one of the things that I think he definitely loved the most that over the last 20 years was getting out there and meeting fans. I never had a chance to meet him, um, but uh, he's gone to a better place. I think he's been in poor health for the last few years, uh, the last few months especially, and um, thankfully he's in a better place. So there's only really one way to salute Stan Lee, and that is Excelsior. And with that, we're going to get to Donnie Hernison and this week's episode of Just Another White Guys podcast. Let's go jogging. I got to admit, I'm not in the best of mood as, as we uh, fire up the recording on this uh, this podcast, Mr. Hernison, and it's not for the reasons that you might think, that uh, the world is crumbling, that Donald Trump is still the president, uh, that California is on fire, Florida is a mess. I mean, really, when isn't Florida a mess, but especially a mess after these uh, these elections, Georgia's a mess. Not None of those things are what have me upset right now. You know why I'm upset? It's because I'm fucking cold. <laughs> I say you're not the only one, but you're not supposed to be. I live in Houston. I didn't move to Southeast Texas to be this cold, especially this early. It's not technically even winter yet. I I will give Houston a pass like between Christmas and like the middle of January to be cold, but this is some bullshit. In like fact, I said, 
In fact, it's not even cold, man. <laughs> in fact, I posted a uh, re uh, a repost on my Facebook account just a few minutes ago from the Houston one of the Houston news channels that I follow. It's talking about the possibility of sleet or snow flurries in Houston tomorrow. It's That's not awesome. even. It's not even. No, it's not awesome. <laughs> These people can't drive when it's dry and sunny and nice out. You want to put some have, snow on the ground? Wasn't that flooding earlier there this year? Everything happens. Every time <laughs> I move somewhere, some weird weather shit happens. It's yeah. It is odd that you guys are uh, looking at snow. Possible. Well, it says only twenty percent, man. Come I on. know, but still, uh, it's the fact uh, that there's a possibility. I, I'm enough. pretty sure two years ago when I first moved here in November. I uh, was in my pool still right now. <laughs> now I will yeah. say, I will say, uh, last Saturday the heat index, not this, uh, not the most recent Saturday, but the previous Saturday, the heat index was a hundred degrees. That's a little ridiculous for uh, the end of uh, October and the first weekend of November. So I want a delicate balance. Can I just get like, can I get a week of like seventy-five and sun? Is that too much to ask for? I, th- I think you're in the wrong place. Well, no, you should be. That should be your winter, right? Yes. 75 and sunny. That's should be what I'm saying. Yeah. But instead, I yeah. get it's either 900 degrees or it's overcast and rainy and now it's cold. And tornadoes and flooding and what else did you get? Oh, you had a hurricane, didn't you? Yeah, I had so, a hurricane, yeah. flooding, a, yeah. like a biblical, like a million year flood or some nonsense. It's like... <laughs> Fortunately, uh, actually, there was a tornado warning last weekend, last week. So, like, literally, with the exception of lighting on fire. Now, Houston probably can't really light on fire because it's nothing really. I mean, it's not like there's any forests around here. So, you know, at least we'll probably won't get forest fires. But yeah, Yeah, well, I said you could be in California. So if I'm not at the top of my game today and I sound even more agitated and pissed off than normal, it's just because I'm cold. Thankfully, Buster has crawled up on my lap, probably because he's cold, and we're uh, we're snuggling while we record this <laughs> podcast. So uh, he'll try to keep me warm, and, and maybe he can bring some peace to to, to my soul as we get this recorded. That's, as I said, we are at, currently at 32 degrees up here in the uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, with a wind chill of possibly 18 later. <sighs> Well, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need them to warm that up when I come home next month. So, oh gosh, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be down in the valley. It won't be as bad. No, yeah, you should be fine down there. Uh, so, coming but. home for Christmas, sir. Very excited. That's awesome. Yeah, I've we been, uh, uh, I haven't been back for Christmas in quite a while. I know that you'll be uh, roughing it uh, on the islands, but. Uh, eventually, yeah, we've got some. Uh, I've got some basketball stuff to take care of first. Uh, but we will actually won't. My family's not leaving until Christmas Day, um, and then um, I'll be leaving a, well, roughly a week later. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a not a yeah. rough way to spend a holiday. No, yeah, I, I've I've learned not to complain about going to the, um, the Hawaiian Islands for uh, the holidays for the holiday break at least. Does it get, is there a lot of people over there at Christmas time? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so we always go to Maui, um, and over the last five, six, seven years, we've gone to Maui and it's, you know, I've, I've never been, I've only been one time outside of the Christmas holiday and you know, it always seems, you know, like there's a lot of people around. Gotcha. Because so, you know what yeah. won't be busy for Christmas? Lebanon, Oregon. It won't. It won't be particularly uh, filled with tourists. 
Probably not. No, so, I can't imagine. Uh, for what I remember, there's not a lot of people in Lebanon at any other time of the year either. No, no. I, no. I would imagine I could probably get my hands on some meth pretty easily, though. <laughs> so doesn't Lebanon have like the Strawberry Fest? Isn't that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't live. I, I, I didn't grow up out there. My mom just happens to live on a farm out there now. So good, I good mean, point. You know, good point. Yeah, true. They, Very true. They, they. I thought the Strawberry Festival was like sublimity or something like that. No, it's definitely not sublimity, but yeah, that that was closer to home, yeah. So yeah, you know so much. You know so much more about Oregon than I do, Donnie. Well, I've been here a lot longer since you you've been a, uh, a country traveler. Yeah, I, I do. You've been uh, all over. I do bounce around a bit. Yeah. Uh, so strawberry festival. There's nothing wrong with that, though. That you know, I was just reading an article yesterday uh, about you know people being. Um, you know, those folks who have traveled and have moved around a whole lot being much more open to new ideas and new cultural exchanges and, and different kinds of people and, and, and being more accepting of a lot of other folks. And what's interesting for me is I do have to be more accepting because I always seem to move to like red states. <laughs> Although technically, well, I, techni- <laughs> technically, I guess Montana is kind of like a purple state because they have a Democratic senator, but there's a lot of you know red out there. Why is that? No, I don't know. I, I was out in Montana again this last summer, and uh, you know, frankly, it's like shocking uh, some of the displays um, that are out there. Have you ever? So okay, so I'm I'm a big, I don't say big, but I'm, I'm I enjoy my video games. I'll put you that way. Okay. So I, uh, you still there? Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. All right. Sorry, my headphones are beeping, so I thought I was lost, losing you, Tim. Um, Anyway, as I was saying, uh, I'm a video game fan. Have you ever uh, heard of the video game Far Cry? I have heard of it, yes. Okay, well, there's, uh, I think it's Far Cry 5. Um, and the idea is that uh, you are out in the middle of Montana, in rural Montana, and uh, in a valley that has been taken over by a, a religious cult. Right. Which may sound, it may sound far-fetched. Oh, no, I don't think uh, it is at all. But the, the, the game itself, as I, um, you know, you, you play, you know, you're out and there's all the like red barns and grain silos and, and crosses everywhere that are built by this religious cult. And I was like, oh, this is a great game, blah, blah, blah. And then I go out this summer and it was exactly the same. <laughs> there's no, I mean, you're driving around and there's these like moments uh, to religion, you know, and it, it's just, it's, it's a bitch shocking you know like you'll just come around a bend and there'll be like a three-story cross you know uh or a an amusement park set up around billboards of biblical quotations um it's like it's it's pretty impressive and so and i was not even in like super rural montana i was just outside of kalispell yeah it gets it gets real interesting up there yeah so but yeah i was i was shocked how well the video game designers designed it to be realistic let's put it that way that's insane yeah they uh (laughs) there's 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 no lack of giant crosses uh in texas oklahoma alabama tennessee last uh, last fall we uh we drove from houston then to nashville and back and uh yeah they they do love they do love their uh their religious symbols around here yeah, we have we have a few here and there out in Oregon, but you know Oregon is still a. Uh, I mean, and and I'm not in like a super metro area, but not super far outside of metro either. But you know we we are actually so Hood River is like the county, the smallest county in Oregon, 
Um, and but it's still it's it's quite liberal. Um, and it's not too far outside of Portland. Right. But you know we're we're right on the borderline. Um, you know, and if you look at even this the elections this past Tuesday, um, the the red versus blue of voting in Oregon and. It's, it's almost weird how liberal Hood River County is yeah. compared to the rest of the state. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was looking at some of the interesting election results uh, out of Oregon. And, of course, um, in and around, you know, the valley, uh, you know, running up the I-5 corridor, pretty much is going to be, you know, blue all the way across. And then you get on the other side of the mountain, not even necessarily on the other side of the mountain. You head into the foothills. Uh, you know where we grew up. I feel like yeah. where we grew up is is a lot more red than when we were there. I think it is. I, I also, but uh, at the same time, I think it also is. We're just paying attention to it now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't really ever a thing when we were kids. Like, well, red and the red and blue thing hadn't really happened yet. Where that was that was something where they, you know, that's well, how they broke people down. Really. You still had, I think, in the eighties. You still had. I mean, I think Oregon, Oregon was much more red in the '80s, yeah, than it is now. Um, well, I mean, overall, even I believe, I'm pretty sure Oregon voted for Reagan twice. You know, um, well, we all, you know, we we all you know, we all thought Reagan was, uh, we all thought Reagan was pretty neato back in the '80s. True. Yeah. Well, and Oregon, that was the last time Oregon had a Republican governor. Yeah. So uh, Vicatia, who was related to some folks from the canyon. Right. Huh. So local connection. So like I said, um, so it's 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 been a long change, but I think you know a lot of the stuff in the '90s helped turn Oregon more red, um, or at least rural Oregon more red um, than some of the county areas. Yeah, so. so as you mentioned, uh, once again, uh, Oregon has a Democrat governor. Uh, the uh, incumbent was uh, Kate Brown, and uh, yeah. I understand she won pretty handily. Um, yeah, it was, I don't think she even, she didn't crack 50%. Um, oh, really? but no, uh-uh. but, um, there, I think it was the last numbers I saw were 49 to 44, I think, um, with a couple, um, of the third parties and independents picking up, um, like, I want to say like roughly 5% wow. of the vote too. Against, <laughs> yeah. against someone named Newt Bueller. Correct. That, uh, that's not a name that I really want. When I think of like a like a powerful person, if I look up at a marquee and I see Newt Bueller, that's not really someone I want to support. No, um, he wasn't a bad guy. He he was he w- he had some fairly moderate positions. Um, he's a Bend uh, physician, and uh, he's been a, a house a, a member of the House of Reps uh, for Oregon for a, a, I think I want to say a couple terms. Um, and he wasn't bad. And like I said, his, his moderateness did okay. But where he got undone was he had some, um, he, ha- he was in kind of a battle with, uh, his own debates, on um, uh, pro-life versus pro-choice, which kind of put him in, um, some sticky situations as well as the whole, um, Oregon PERS, uh, with the public employee retirement system, right. um, that, you know, that's a, a huge hot button issue out here. And his position was roughly to cut retirement for firefighters, police, teachers, um, in order to pay for the people who are retiring now. That didn't go over too well. No, I wouldn't no. think that it would. Yeah. So he had, uh, it was, it was surprising actually. My wife and I were talking about this, um, in that the, the, the media 
uh, chose and the media that was put out there was not necessarily um, focused on cutting teacher retirements. The media was uh, the commercials and all stuff was mostly focused on like cutting retirements for police and fire. Right. Uh, which is not a, the spin that usually goes out. Uh, typically, it's it's that anti-teacher thing, and the teachers are overwhelmingly the biggest group um, in that in that pool, that PERS pool. Yeah. But the the focus was more on the the emergency services. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if they're gonna go, you know, scare tactic and go like, you know, oh, we're gonna cut, you know, all these people that take care, such good care of you, that's uh, it's one way for them to go and look at it. Yeah, well, I, I think my guess is it was more of a ploy to hit those independent and maybe even conservative voters, right? And saying no, we don't want to cut, you know, retirement for police and fire. If you had, if they had gone the route of the teachers and attacking the teachers, it probably would have been a lot more popular with those conservative folks. I, I would think so. <laughs> um, another, uh, so the actual Oregon legislature, the the folks that are representatives within the state. Uh, looks like uh, three fifths super majority for uh, the Democrats uh, in Salem. Yeah. So it, it does sound like uh, the Senate president in Oregon uh, does say that he wants to seek uh, bipartisan support for any laws that they passed. Uh, for it looks like they're going to have to do some revenue raising and that sort of stuff. So, uh, but a three fifths super majority for the legislature—that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's easy to say you want to seek common ground when you're the winners. You know, well, it's, well, <laughs> well, we had we had the president of the United States stand in front of a group of reporters and say that he wants to have bipartisan support for bills going forward for the next Congress. So, um, God, who knows? What? A- yeah, I I believe all that's lip service uh, on both sides. You know, if you're losing, you want bipartisan support so you can actually get some legislation passed. If you're the winners, you say you'd like to have bipartisan support for everything, but at the end of the day, you don't need it. Exactly. Uh, and uh, the Congress people that are going to Washington to support uh, or to vote uh, for Oregon, uh, five Democrats returning. Now, who is your state representative? State or, representative or a congressman? You mean? Yeah, your congressperson. A congressman is Greg Walden, the lone Republican um, in the whole entire Oregon delegation. Gotcha. And he's he's a pretty he was a pretty powerful guy um, until last week, <laughs> so uh, he was I believe uh, I don't want to say ways and means, um, but he's on he's 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 a committee chairman of something now I can't remember, but he's actually a local Hood River guy. Um, he's a claims to be a small business owner, which he is. He owned uh, owned a lo- local radio station for a number of years, um, but uh, and to to win. So our congressional delegation, or the, or sorry, our, our district is actually like you know that that blue Willamette Valley corridor. Yep. Walden's district is everything else. Oh jeez. <laughs> so, yeah. So he he represents like all of Southern Oregon, and kind of you know if you go around to the east and all of Eastern Oregon, it's like straight up the mountains. You know, like right. Bend everything all the way up to Hood River. You know that it's it's all his. So he represents a huge swath of land. You know, um, you know, not a ton of people though. Obviously, you know. So overall, but, overall, well liked uh, in the uh, in the state. The I think he won by twenty percent, and that was a this district was swinging back to the left. Um, so in the past, he has won with like seventy percent of the vote. 
Um, and I think he only got 56 or 59, somewhere in there. So, gotcha. um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was swinging back to the, towards blue. Um, you have, like I said, like Hood River County didn't vote for him. his own hometown, his own home County didn't vote for him. He lost here. Um, but he, he lost in Bend, I think, but he pretty much won everything else, you know, Jackson County, which is like Medford, Klamath Falls, all those, he won everywhere else. So, but it's not with so, huge money. It's so weird that you can be a representative of someone that lives in Hood River, but also be the representative of someone in Bend and also like Klamath Falls. Like, yeah, just and, doesn't... and even like Harney County, you know, in the southeast corner of the state and in Wallowa County up in the northeast corner of the state. It's it's a huge territory. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, just to clean up uh, this uh, who the committee that he's on, he's on the Committee on Energy and Commerce That's and that. is the chairman of the Subcommittee on Communications and Technology. Right. And, and surprisingly, who do you think his big contributors are? <laughs> I'm going to guess communication companies. Yeah, Comcast is his, one of his biggest supporters. Huh. So, yeah, and he's he uh, was one of the deciding votes in some of the net neutrality stuff, um, which, you know, in my mind, it was not a good thing for him. He, he voted to, you know, against net neutrality, you know, uh, and he pretty much voted the way Comcast has told him to, it seems like, every time. So. It's 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 so interesting that you vote in the way that uh, not necessarily that your citizens might want you to vote by but by people that send you checks. It's yeah, he's also uh, some of his biggest contributors are some of the pharmaceutical companies, and he has been touting um, the opioid stuff and how much like every press release he has had has been about um, fighting opioids, except that like I said, the pharmaceutical companies are his biggest contributors. Huh. So. So one of the things that I noticed uh, in in going through a, a lot of what was happening in Oregon in terms of the election uh, this cycle is was also something that my sister pointed out to me because she lived in one of the counties where uh, this was up for a vote. But 10 counties in Oregon had a measure on the ballot basically to... Uh, give the county a bigger voice in terms of the Second Amendment rights of the citizens of that county. Are you aware of this Second Amendment protection? Uh, I think I've, I, I've seen it, um, and I wasn't sure. I, I think I we, we didn't have that here, um, right. and so, but um, it never would have passed. <laughs> um, but I, from what I saw, I, I think some of my thought were basically trying to avoid state law so uh, here's if this stupid website would stop so voters in 10 counties in uh so it was baker county columbia douglas jackson klamath lake lincoln lynn umatilla and union counties it's the so-called second amendment preservation ordinance which declares that those living in counties that approve it have the right to own semi-automatic weapons and high-capacity magazines regardless of state or federal law, and that the measure will... um, Let's see. There was another specific thing in here that I wanted to say that... uh, But it it passed in eight of those ten counties where it was interesting um, that it it failed in Lincoln County... And it failed in Jackson County. 
Um, Jackson County being Medford, though, a right. bigger city. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was another... Let me get back to the thing. My sister actually sent me what was in the the uh, ordinance. Um, a yes vote adopts and makes the Second Amendment Preservation Ordinance part of Lincoln County's county code. If approved, the ordinance does the following. Entrusts the Lincoln County Sheriff to determine on behalf of Lynn County whether certain firearm laws are constitutional. If the Lynn County Sheriff determines that any federal, state, or local laws affecting firearms, firearms accessories, or ammunition are unconstitutional, then the county may not authorize the use of funds, resources, employees, agencies, contractors, buildings, detention centers, or offices for the purpose of enforcing such laws. Approval of this measure would subject people or corporations who violate this measure by enforcing firearms laws declared by the sheriff to be unconstitutional to a fine of up to $2,000 for an individual and $4,000 for a corporation. So why do you need checks and balances, huh? Yeah, if you're just going to pass a county ordinance that says, eh, we don't really, yeah, that's... How does the, at at no point uh, of the government do we allow the executive branch, the police in this case, to interpret or to make judicial decisions on constitutionality of laws or not? There's nowhere, I don't even, I, I, I can't imagine that any of these local ordinances could stand up to a legal challenge. No, I wouldn't think so either. But it's basically the way the Oregonian uh, and OregonLive.com have have framed the story is that militia groups uh, basically helped get this passed in eight different counties. Um, But look where those counties are also. Right, no, exactly. But (laughs) one of them is Columbia County, which... Is a lot closer to, uh, you know, the population centers than you would have thought, and you know, Lynn County is not exactly, you know, out in the boonies. No, but um, Lynn County, I believe, was a red county uh, this last election, as well yeah. as Marion County. But it, I was looking, um, I was just talking with my dad about the results uh, yesterday, the day before, and looking at the results specifically in Marion County. Uh, I was surprised. It seemed like a very low voter turnout in Marion County. Um, and so, you know, I didn't look at the Lynn County results, um, but, you know, it's possible. I mean, they're they're right next to each other. It's possible the same thing. So for this me- for this measure, I'm looking at the voting, the vote tabulations. It was 21,590 people in favor of it and 21,174 opposed. Overall, if you combine all the counties. No, no, no. That's just for Lynn County for this just particular Lynn County. Sorry, okay. Gotcha. So it was close. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but that's and Lynn County is a pretty good sized county if you go, you know. But well, yeah, I mean, uh, Lynn County yeah. has Albany. Um, it has Corvallis. No, Corvallis no, is Benton County. Benton County. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I yeah. guess Albany is the main big city. Well, that's. I was thinking about Columbia County, as you mentioned, you know, and Columbia County also include, you know, so it's like St. Helens and, and Scappoose and those areas. So right. it's, it's pretty rural. Um, St. Helens is a pretty good example. The St. Helens school district 
this is like two years ago, I want to say now, but um, the St. Helens School District became the first and only, I believe, school board to allow teachers to carry firearms as well. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that that gives you a kind of a clue about the makeup of that county. So you got to think that if someone were to challenge that, it, there's no way that that holds up in court, right? How does how does I, I how does the, how no how how does how does a count how does the how does the population of a county get to say that this elected official decides what's constitutional or not? Like for one, don't you want someone that's I don't know maybe a constitutional scholar to make that sort of decision and not some guy that was probably a police officer that may or may not understand and a sheriff is just an elected person so you know you and i can run for sheriff you know and and what do we know right um but uh, i'll have you know i would make a great sheriff (laughs) i can imagine that i look good in a uniform yeah Yeah. (laughs) boss hog uh, (laughs) the uh i just had a vision of in the south and uh and the the duke's brothers (laughs) so the i think the idea with I mean, it, simply the the, con, uh, the supremacy clause of the Constitution should override that immediately. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you there, in no way, shape, or form should a county be able to tell a state or the federal na- government what they can do or not. But that also begs the question when you start talking about like things like um, sanctuary laws, which was another big deal in Oregon this last uh, election, you know, and yeah. whether states can. It's it's kind of a different issue, um, but at the same time, you know, counties shouldn't be able to tell states what to do. States shouldn't be able to tell the federal government what to do. That's the constitute. That's that's the supremacy clause of the Constitution. You know, if that were still, if that was possible, you'd still have slavery in the South. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just you know, so that I don't know. I can't imagine how that will stand up, um, but it will take somebody to challenge it. Yeah. So, so Oregon. Uh, Oregon pretty much went the way you would have expected in terms of elections. Um, uh, more of a broader overview, of course, as we talked about uh, with uh, Nikki on our midterm election post uh, podcast. Basically, things went as expected. Uh, it was interesting the way that the narrative was kind of framed directly following the the close of the polls that while democrats had performed really well it wasn't really quote unquote a blue wave but now as full results are coming in and all of the votes are being tabulated it looks like democrats could end up with 40 maybe even 50 seat pickup uh in the house and i just i don't see how that's not a huge like maybe it's not a tsunami, but why do we need to frame it in that sort of a narrative? It's a huge swing back the other way for Democrats. Yeah, I think. Um, well, and as you said, you know, as the votes get all counted, and we're hoping that all the votes get counted yeah. in those states, right? Um, Isn't it so- interesting that it's so important to go? They want everyone to go out and vote, but maybe you're. It, it may not be necessarily that important for them to actually count all those votes. Isn't that literally the purpose of an election? Is to vote and then count all those votes and determine a winner. That's the you would hope so, um, and you would hope all those you know constitution loving you know uh, people would be standing up and saying count every single vote. I, I totally get you know like hey votes have to be turned in on time, votes have to be you know postmarked or whatever. There, there has to be a deadline, but you know even by Florida's own laws, 
that deadline is not here yet. Yeah. So, you know, so for all their provisional military overseas ballots, those are still coming in. And I think by Florida law, they still have at, at least until like this next week, I think, or something like that to, to get those in. And so Florida doesn't even have all the votes yet, all, all the ballots in order to count them. So, you know, and like I said, most of them are, you know, overseas military and provisional ballots. So I don't think I don't know if that's going to sway it. But when you have a super close election, you probably got to wait. Yeah, and and I would say this if it was the reverse, but of course in Georgia and in Florida, two of the people that are in the election in question also have power over how those elections are counted. Yeah. If 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 I was in the opposite position, it was a state with a Democrat, I would be just as annoyed with this as possible. If you are the other, if you are a person in the race, you should have no say whatsoever in how those votes are tabulated, any process in which that is conducted, you should be required to recuse yourself. Because right. you, I, are I think, not, you are yeah. not going to make a judgment. You, you cannot count on people to make a a fair and balanced judgment against their own will, not against their own will, but to go against their own benefit. Self-interest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, no matter what, uh, those elections have, are are now tainted. Um, and so it, it does, you know, it, it's amazing that, that Florida still 20 years after the Bush Gore debacle is still having problems counting votes. You know, uh, then the Georgia thing itself, like I said, when you when you have somebody that's in charge of the election making rules about what gets counted and what isn't and they're in the race, that's, you know, pretty sketchy. Um, I believe Kansas was the same deal. Is that right? Were you paying that, attention to that one? Uh, I wasn't really paying attention that much. But in that instance, the Democrat actually won. We have yes. a Democrat governor in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. But like I said, the it, I think it's just the fact that it wasn't close. No, you know that's the only reason that it you know that one's not as controversial because it just it wasn't close. You know, with the Georgia and Florida elections, I think Arizona's having an issue too, aren't they? Um, it, I, I don't, don't I don't know necessarily if, if it was an issue, but it was real. It's real, real close. It, you know, okay. in terms of the, the vote count. Yeah. So yeah. Either way, like I said, you can't have. Well, actually, I think I saw something. It's probably on social media today, though. It might have been a post from Elizabeth Warren. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that one, but uh, discussing the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court, those judges are not required to recuse themselves from making a judgment uh, in a case that directly affects their own pocketbooks. Oh, yeah. No, they're not. And if you go and look, there's a few different decisions where, like specifically, like Clarence Thomas has made judgments in which he benefited from no. those decisions. And I'm sure, like, I don't pay close enough attention, so I'm sure if someone dug in, there would be people that I would agree with that have done similar things. But it... It doesn't matter if you make the right decision or not. It's a decision that's tainted. Correct. Like, yeah. you should not be making decisions that directly impact your financial standing or some sort of... It's going to, you know, put you in or line for a better job or a, you know any yeah. sort of thing. Like, you just... Because you can't count on people to go against their own interests. Just yeah, it I doesn't agree. happen. Yeah. So, uh, so which yeah, also would ahead. lead us to 
Jeff, Jeff Sessions and his firing oh, and and uh, Matt Whitaker and his appointment <laughs> or so-called appointment. I'm not even sure what that is yet. So He's been named acting attorney general. And I haven't dug down into this, but I've seen enough to know that this seems shady as fuck. <laughs> well, the I, it, I, my recollection was that the attorney general has to be confirmed by the Senate. Uh, I believe. Let's see. Do Jeff Sessions went through confirmation hearings, you know, and and Matt Whitaker has never held a position where he has been confirmed by the Senate. He was chief of staff which was a, just a hired position. So to name a guy, act, name him attorney general, essentially, and he's not been confirmed by the Senate, I don't see how there's any kind of legality for anything he does. you know. Uh, and I don't see how Rod Rosenstein isn't the top dog right now. Uh, let's see. So there's a scenario in which the Department of Justice succession statute and executive order process are used uh, under both of which the deputy attorney general Rod Rosenstein would automatically become the uh, acting attorney general now, obviously yeah. that's not what he did right uh, so let's see do, 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 do. but Rosenstein would make sense because Rosenstein also had to go through a confirmation process right so, so I'm looking through here to see what uh uh, he could just make it a recess appointment, which is not the case though here. The Congress is not in recess, so uh, if the individual President Trump desires to serve as session successor is Senate confirmable, then nothing would stop President Trump from simply nominating the successor and naming someone else as a short-term acting Attorney General under the Vaccines Reform Act. <laughs> based on the assumption that the confirmation of a new attorney general would be conditioned by the uh would be conditioned by the Senate upon some promise of non-interference in the Russia investigation it stands to reason that this option while legally straightforward may be off the table politically interesting hmm. but yeah it does seem like he would need to be senate confirmed yeah uh, in order to do what the hell is this? The Federal Vaccines Reform Act of 1998, confined, codified at 5 U.S. Code section, blah, 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 which states, notwithstanding the default rule that the deputy becomes the acting, the president, and only the president, may direct a person who serves in an office for which appointment is required to be made by the president by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to perform the functions and duties of the vacant office temporarily in acting capacity subject to the time limitations. And my dog is stepping in front of me and I can't read. Hey, I'm doing a podcast here, buddy. Are you kidding me? Again, every time we record a podcast, you got to get in the way. Okay, jump down. Go down. Oh, you know what I just realized? I've been reading this completely wrong. It's not the federal vaccines. It's vacancies. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's the Federal Vacancies Reform Act, vacancies. not the Federal Vaccines Reform Act. <laughs> Jesus Lord. Hey, it's it's all right. <laughs> I'm not wow. going to fight. <laughs> wow. I would like to I would uh. like to say that it was written incorrectly, but no, it's not. Yeah. I just don't know how to read. 
Wow, well, pretty good. Uh, yeah. In other words, the president can direct anyone who holds a PAS office, one requiring presidential appointment and Senate confirmation to serve as acting attorney general for 210 days and potentially longer, depending upon when the president nominates someone to the position. And under the terms of the, under the terms of the Federal Vacancies Reform Act, the individual does not have to be serving in the Justice Department at the time he or she is tapped to be acting attorney general. This person would just have to hold a Senate-confirmed position. But so, does this guy hold that position? Has he? he you said uh, he hasn't so been confirmed. He was- but so no, okay. So I think none of that applies because he did not previously hold a position that was confirmed by the Senate. And I think that's what you read in that saying that the president can nominate anybody into that position provided they have already been confirmed by the Senate. Yeah, that's and that yeah, that's what not, it says. That's that's not the case here. He so, was just a chief of staff. He had just been hired, like you know, like he's he was just a guy on staff. So he, he had not he had not gone through a Senate confirmation process. So I don't see how this guy is legit at all. I, no. I don't I don't think he is. So well, which makes it totally begs the question though, is how does he you know even if he's in that position, you know, how does he make any decisions at all? Not even not even talking about the Mueller case, you know, but any decisions that would hold up and have any legitimacy. I don't well, know where that comes from. I, I think that they're just counting on the fact that no one's paying attention right now. Oh, everybody's paying attention to that. Are you kidding? Once the midterms was over, I think we talked about this on the last uh, the last time I talked with you, in that Mueller, his hands were totally tied until the midterms were over. You know, Not only by um, just like logistically speaking. Let's, I mean, let's say Mueller comes out with an indictment before – before the midterms and the Congress is controlled and both houses of Congress are controlled by the Republicans, nothing's going to happen. Right. And so that just uh, makes Mueller look completely impotent, you know, with no power and it strengthens or emboldens the president to say, eh, okay, you wouldn't want to indict me tough, you know, and it, it gives the president even more political power. But now even with the um, house in the, Democrats hands let's say Mueller comes out and puts his indictment out there and in the house let's say they vote to impeach and then the Senate says no and they don't go through uh, maybe they don't even go through uh, I think if the house votes to impeach the Senate has to have a trial but if the Senate has that has that trial and acquits the president you've still emboldened Trump so I don't think this is a great outcome for the with the with the Democrats winning only the House and not the Senate, I think it puts the president in a more powerful position. You know what's interesting is I'm, I haven't really paid that much attention, and I feel like I'm pretty tapped into what's going on politically, but I have, I obviously I don't pay that close attention to the attorney general. Do you know how many uh, attorneys general have been under Donald Trump so far? Um, I want to say, so it's like, Two or three? Is that all? So Maybe Sally that. Sally Yates was the acting oh, yes, attorney yeah. general for ten days. Yeah. Then uh, Dana Bonetti, uh, Bo- Boen Bonet, I don't know, was uh, acting uh, 
AG for, let's see, uh, 11, 20 days. <laughs> and then Jeff Sessions was the Attorney General um, from February 9th, 2017 to November 7th of 2018. And now we have this Matthew Whitaker dude. Right. So, I'm just yeah. like, what the... F- I did see a graphic not too long ago that was just showing the turnover um, for, I think, going back to President Clinton and just showing how unprecedented the amount of turnover has been in the Trump cabinet um, or the Trump government um, compared to the the last four presidents. You know, um, well, Bill it, Clinton. Bill Clinton had Stuart Gerson, who was the acting attorney general from January of ninety three to March of ninety three, and then Janet Reno was his attorney general the entire rest, rest of, of his presidency. Yeah. yeah, there was Eric Holder was an acting attorney general until John Ashcroft came in under President Bush. Um, but I mean, really, yeah, Eric Holder. Eric Holder was the oh. for it was like for uh, twelve days. Well, still, but to have under President Bush to have an African American Attorney General even for twelve days was, and you know, and then to have that guy go on and become Attorney General later under President Obama that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Hmm. And then uh, let's see, you remember the the great uh, run as Attorney General for Alberto Gonzalez under President Bush? Who could forget that uh, run? Uh, right. <laughs> Just listen. I, I don't even know who most of these people are. Uh, best. Best name for acting attorney general definitely has to go to Dick Thornburg. Uh, I have no idea who that is. He was is. the acting attorney general under Jimmy Carter for uh, six days. Mm. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's. I don't know. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. You know, um, but you know, I'm part of it. You know, I'm a. I, I'd say I'm a fan of political theater, um, and so I'm kind of hoping for a Saturday Night Massacre. You know, a la Richard Nixon. Yeah. You know, just to see. I'm just curious to see this constitutional crisis and how this plays out and and what happens. What I find interesting is there's so many people that bang the drum of I am a constitutionalist. I want us to follow a strict adherence of the Constitution. And then the president consistently does things that go against the Constitution and no one stands up and does anything. Right, I think that the uh, I don't know what you call it, but the politics of hypocrisy. Um, we we even saw this this last week in Oregon, where a number of uh, our um, how do I say this? Um, some of our mutual friends, uh, you know, ranting and raving in, on social media about the the vote in Oregon and how you know we just talked about how many counties went for the Democrat. Uh, very few counties went for the Democrat in Oregon. And overwhelmingly, Oregon was the counties were red, but people were complaining about. Well, this is ridiculous. Why don't we have an electoral college? You know, uh, you know, in Oregon, you know, how come uh, the big cities get to determine everything? You know, for the rest of us, and it's the same argument that the Democrats were making in the 16 election. You know, like wow, we we won the popular vote, you know, but we still lost. So it's like the it seems like people have such short-term memories that they don't recognize their own hypocrisy. Yeah, it's yeah. it's stunning the amount of people. I'm I'm constantly amazed by the people that say they're for one thing and consistently vote against uh, against their own interests. It's it's maddening. Well, it's not even just their own interests. It's their own 
pro self-proclaimed belief right yeah that they vote you know like you know they, they say here's what i believe in and then they vote against that yeah you know yeah that's the hard part you know it's like wait a minute hold on you have no principles you're just you're just blowing in the political winds well here's what i'll say it seems like whenever i have you on we are a little too serious so let's <laughs> let's shift let's shift away from that sort of thing and let's talk about a subject that i know is going to get you fired up what the hell is happening with your Oregon Ducks football team? Oh Lord, it's uh, you know it's uh, in the past. I, I can't say this has ever happened um, before the last two years, um, but where we'll get into the second half and they are so predictable and they're just I, I'm I'm turning off the games in like the third quarter or midway through the fourth quarter. Like yeah, this is done. This is over. You know, and it, it's been a a, a hard you know, thing to follow. Uh, and and to, it, it's not hard to remain a fan. You know, there's no way I would ever stoop so low as to become a Beaver fan. Hey, uh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> so, but it's still, it's, it's been really hard to watch. Um, and just that, you know, the, like, you know what they're going to do, at, you know, and the lack of a run game. And, um, the, we only have apparently one receiver. Uh, and so it's been tough. I'll say that. So I know uh, Justin Herbert got uh, hurt in the Arizona game, correct? Yeah, yeah, slightly, slightly dinged. He was in concussion protocol for a couple days. So was he back for the Utah game? Yeah, he's missed no time. So no. you guys lost. You got blown out at Arizona. Yeah. You give up a crucial uh, final possession touchdown to Utah. You lost to Utah. And Utah had lost their starting quarterback the week before to a broken collarbone. So this is a backup QB. Wow. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> and he, just, he tore us apart. Like our, our secondary has not been good at all. We have no pass defense. Um, and, you know, like it's it's been pretty bad. Our, our run defense I think is pretty good. But pass defense is a struggle. We're always a step or two behind. There's huge gaps. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been really hard. So that begs an interesting question because uh, you are once again you have a new head coach uh, Mario Cristobal who came in after um, what's the guy that just left Willie Taggart Willie Taggart so Willie Taggart bombs out and goes back to Florida State they're atrocious speaking of bombing yeah so. <laughs> Is it Willie Taggart? Is he the problem? Like, is it the the players that he picked that they're the problem? Willie or- Taggart was only here for a year. Okay, so yeah, who so- who brought in all this garbage that he can't? So it, it's it's I think not. It would still. I'd still the same thing. It's you know you, you got to give a coach a chance to to get his guys to get his system in place. You know, I think it, it takes a while. You know, Chip Kelly wasn't amazing every single year. You know, uh, it, it took a couple of years to build, you know, and, and Chip Kelly was in the program recruiting guys before he got elevated to the to head coach status. So he was already picking guys for his system before he became the head coach. You know, so I think we still have to give, you know, and, and Cristobal is a he's an Alabama guy. You know, he, he played at, at Miami. Uh, he was coaching with Nick Saban, you know, uh, when he, he left, he left Alabama for Oregon, <laughs> you know, so under Willie Taggart. So you know that's you know you, you got to give him a chance you know and I so think what you're to- so what you're saying is that he's going to be dropping some bags and uh, some five star recruits are going to be making their way to Eugene with uh, some more some extra cash in their pockets and uh, it's going to be they're going to try to be Alabama of the West that's that's where we're headed right 
if if we were to become Alabama of the West, I don't think I could complain about that. No. Yeah. I mean, no. The, you you couldn't complain about it even if it was illegal to, you know, be paying these people. I mean, it's totally Are you fine. saying Alabama is doing illegal things? I'm not saying anything other than yes, that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, are we talking about football or basketball now? Uh, well, the yeah. Alabama basketball team is garbage, so Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we the, uh, uh, we, we got to look at so you got Arizona State coming up. Yeah. Hey, it's an appearance by children on the podcast. Yeah, I, yeah, I got I got rated myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you got Arizona State, and then of course Civil War, Civil War. Yeah. is coming up, where I'm yeah. sure we'll lose by 45 points. No, I don't totally know. Fine. You know, Oregon State is actually not playing that bad. Oregon State has, uh, you know, they had. They've had a couple teams on the ropes uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, and so, you know, this last game, I think, against Stanford, uh, they played tough for the first half. And then uh, it kind of disappeared uh, in the second half. But, they, you know, they, they've been playing much tougher. I think um, Jonathan Smith is actually doing really good things there. Um, and it, I don't think it will be that long before Oregon State is in, in the mix. Wow. Um I can't believe that you just said that many nice things about Oregon State in a row. <laughs> Oregon Oregon State was the first college football game I ever went to. Um, actually, you probably were at that game. I think uh, would we go in eighth grade? Uh, eighth grade uh, football team, I, I think, with Dave Dubrava. I want to say, is that uh, ring any bells? Was that the game that we went to see him play at Arizona State? I don't know. With I want Jake. to say it was the Huskies, but I can't remember. Mm. I know I went to. I know I went to see Oregon State versus Arizona State when Jake Plummer was the quarterback. No, this would have been way before that. This is like eighth grade. I'm talking about right. Yeah, Jake Plummer wasn't when we were in the eighth grade. Wasn't Jake? Oh wait, no. I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, Jake yeah, Plummer. I don't know what year that was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. I oh, he was. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I, we got to go as, as part of the eighth grade football team um, when I was not playing and I was managing that year, um, as because I was never a football player. Um, but uh, we went and watched the Oregon State game, and there were so few people there that we were right behind the goalposts, like down. Okay, the- <laughs> this is a hundred percent Arizona State in 1994. Arizona State. It could have been, yeah. It could have been. Let's okay. So because that's when he was, he was the yeah. he. Nineteen ninety four. He was his sophomore year. Arizona State. His sophomore year. So wait, State no, but we would have we would have gone ninety three, ninety four. Ninety three, ninety four. Who was the Arizona State QB? Uh he was. No. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm, what I'm there? looking to see is when they played. So, uh, okay. So nineteen. 90, 93. Okay, so it would have been the fall of 93. Yeah. They played. Come on, where's the schedule? I think you're slow. I got alerted. Uh, uh-huh. They played at Oregon State October 2nd. It's possible that could have been that game. October second, yeah. nineteen ninety three. No, because I remember standing down like at the fence because we were down so close. Yeah, that's what I remember too. And yeah, it was so. Oregon State won thirty to fourteen. Well, there you go. I feel like I feel like that has. I, I, I mean, I know that I was at 
an Oregon State game where they played Arizona State. So, because I remember Jake Plummer being the quarterback. There was also there was also a game that we went to uh, against Arizona. I'm pretty sure that I went to. I see. I went to. I went to a not a bunch of Oregon State games, but I went to quite a few. Yeah. Uh-huh. The yeah. old Jerry Jerry Pettibone running the triple option wishbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah wishbone offense. Well, oh, a long man. time ago. Yeah, no, that was the first football game I ever went to, um, and suffice it to say, it did not make me an Oregon State fan. Um, <laughs> but so no, I became a Duck fan mostly through track and field. You know, um, and a, a sport that Oregon State does not sponsor, by the way, uh, for the men. Uh, well, so, I mean, when all when all of the good runners are just going to go to Oregon anyway, why bother? Well, there's, the small schools in Oregon are doing all right. Let's say it that way. So um, the and most of the uh, the good runners in Oregon, most of the good athletes in Oregon are uh, they may be going to uh, Oregon, but not often. You know, for example, I will say like I had um, one of my former athletes, the third fastest female in Oregon history. And she did not get recruited by Oregon until the last minute, and we'd already signed in California. Hmm. So, you know, I think um, the the Ducks have made their success by bringing in non-Oregon athletes a yeah. lot. There there have been a lot of really good athletes that have gone on to do track and field at Oregon, um, you know, world record holders and whatnot. Um, but, you know, by and large, I think Oregon does not recruit in-state people as much as they should, I think, my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. They uh now they're in the midst of or have they already completed the new renovation for the uh the new track and field? Oh no, that's right in the middle. That's not even supposed to be done until um hopefully it's not going to be done in 19. It's supposed to be done in 20, I believe. Uh, and then they're going to bring back all of the uh it's going to be the world championships, all that stuff coming back to uh Eugene. Everything. Yeah, um probably NCAA's US Championships. Uh, that'll be that won't be an Olymp- that will be an Olympic trials year, yeah. Um, and then not to mention the Oregon State Championships. So you know, a huge moment, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are uh, for this next year in nineteen. Um, we are hosting the state championships at Mount Hood Community College, which oh, okay. is not not nearly the same kind of venue uh, <laughs> as as Hayward Field in Eugene. So. So it's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah. So it, it won't have the same feel this year. So I've been so. I've been trying to rack my brain because you were talking about the the first football game you went to was at, at Oregon State. I'm yeah. trying to remember if I've been to Autzen Stadium more than once. I oh. don't I don't think I have. I'm pretty sure I've only been to Gill, not Gill Coliseum, um, Research. Research Stadium, uh, maybe only that one time. It, yeah. I I think maybe I went. I think I've gone down to Corvallis to hang out uh, at a Civil War game, but not to the actual game. So since then, um, but yeah, I think I've only been to to reach it at one time. The so, one thing the one thing I remember about going to Otzen Stadium is that we ended up sneaking down onto the field. Oh yeah, like down the tunnel. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember what I can't remember what it was for or why we. It had to be. Is it Young Life? Maybe it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I I I was not involved in that, so I don't know. I don't remember why, but there's yeah. a bunch of us that went to it, and then uh, 
Speaking of college football, the, the other cool thing that I got to do with college football is one time I got to go over uh, when Damien Ramirez was playing at Western, and uh, I got to be a ball boy with Kevin oh, wow. uh, at Western against, I think, Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we were on we were on the uh, the opposing sideline, and uh, I saw a dude get his wrist broken because yeah. he as he came out of bounds, um, they had like some cables that were pinned down to the ground by this um, like this metal like U shaped uh, post thing that was buried right. in the ground, and he just it had to have been like a one in a million shot. He just landed <laughs> on it perfectly and just oh. It's like, I was, yeah, I don't think that that's something that we probably should have seen. No, yeah, especially not at that age, right? No, not at all. Um, uh-huh. So, to switch to a happier topic, Oregon basketball is going to be good this year? Oregon basketball is looking – I think they're uh, I think they're ranked 14th right now, somewhere in there. Um, but uh, in compared to where last year, last year was kind of a weird year. They had a, a, a lot of new guys, new faces, so – you know, we're not that far removed from two years ago when uh, Oregon was in the Final Four, yeah, and lost to North Carolina. Um, and but you know they they've done some retooling. You know they have um, Bowl Bowl. I'm sure you've seen him. Nope. You don't know Bowl Bowl. Who is the famous Bowl that you know? B O L. Manute Bowl. This is Manute Bowl's son. Wow. Yeah. We so he I believe he's seven two. Has uh, he has he eaten a sandwich? Yeah, he he may have eaten one. He looks he he's not a a thick person by any means, you know. So yeah, he's he's pretty skinny, but a seven foot two freshman, and he's he's playing really well. So. Bull dominates with twenty three points and twelve boards, four blocks, and Oregon win. Yeah, well, he's he's playing well. Now they haven't really played anybody yet, which is like a lot of the schools at this point. Um, but uh, but they're they're coming together. Um, from the the team that was in the final four, we only have one player still, um, point guard Peyton um, Pritchard, um, who's a, a local Oregon guy, speaking of, uh, West Lynn guy. Um, and everybody else is new, uh, different. And I, I don't know, I'd say we have two players for sure that are likely to be one and dones, uh, Bull Bull and, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Louis King, I think. Uh, and. Uh, you know they're both playing well, um, but uh, so we'll see. I think I think the Ducks could make another run this year, though. Dude, that kid is skinny. Yes, <laughs> skinny. Yeah. But he's good. He's legit for a seven-two guy. You know, even being as skinny as he is, yeah, he looks. He does. He looks like he's more athletic than his dad. He. So what? One of the things that um, I'm a big Bill Simmons guy. Um, uh-huh. One of the things that I've I've picked up on. Uh, to look for when watching basketball players, especially bigs, is how they run. Mm-hmm. And if they look like they're stumbling and like they're like <laughs> a deer on ice, sort of like l- real lumbering, like cl- you know, clog and a lumbless, you know, that they're yeah. they're gonna not be as successful. This kid looks like he can actually run a little bit. It looks a little bit smoother than uh, definitely smoother than his dad. His dad just looked like a skeleton. And it yeah, looked he uncomfortable was, when he ran. Yeah, he was. I think he's more athletic than that. Um, and but he, he's he, especially for a freshman guy that's that tall. Yeah, you know um, that guy so, needs to get on an eating program though. 
Yeah, well, you hope you know the Ducks can can put something together. Best I can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you at all worried about uh, the power of Tinkle Tinkle Time Tinkle Time in Corvallis? Uh, no. <laughs> Come on. So, there's there's no. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't think I don't see the Ducks falling to the Beavers at all this year. It can happen though with basketball, right? And so right. you know, things happen. No. Tingle time. We do have the coach. We may not have the best team, but we do have the best coach name. <laughs> and there's, it's got to be. We got to hang our, we got to hang our hats on something as Beavers fans. Fair enough. Yeah, I said. You know I, what, yeah, I'd be. You know what Beaver? Ha- you know what Beaver fans can hang their hat on? Pretty much every night when I get drunk, I do so out of a Oregon State Beavers Yeti. So. Oh, there you go. Well, and don't forget baseball. That's right. There's, yeah, we do. We do. Baseball's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had a pedophile on the team, but it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, it, that got awkward. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't have a good segue for this. Um, uh, Hood River basketball is uh, firing. Uh, yeah, we uh, we start up tomorrow. Yeah, um, actually, unofficially tonight. Um, we returned. We lost two seniors um, from last year's team, um, and but it, so and, and they hurt. Um, one of those is a college uh, college softball player up at College of Idaho now, and uh, the other girl was our six foot two post. Um, and I have no replacement Uh-oh. for for them. Yeah, so we uh, I just lost. My backup post, uh, who was supposed to be the heir apparent, just broke her hand in open gym last week, um, and she's out like six to eight weeks. Uh, so it's uh, it, I'm, I'm heavy on seniors. I've got a lot of seniors, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they're they're going to carry the load for us. Um, but uh, right now we're up in the air. We're also in a new league this year, um, so it's going to be hard to predict. So if you don't have anybody in the post, I feel like you just need to play like the Golden State Warriors, just shoot threes and hope they go in. Yeah, but you gotta have people that can make threes. You don't have anyone that can so. make. What, what have you been doing with these girls? Uh, they play softball and volleyball <sighs> all the time. That's what they do. And so, so they're uh, just they're just going out for basketball to stay in shape, but while it's cold. I'd say so. You know, like I said, the Hood River is a. Uh, how do I say it? it's a unique community? Um, right. We are, you know, like a lot of communities, you know, have the the you know people, the young kids are doing, you know, their standard sports. You know, they're playing baseball and and basketball and football or whatever. And Hood River is not really that way. Um, Hood River is more of a individual sport mentality. Yeah, best way I can put it. Um, we, you know, windsurfing capital of the world. Uh, we're forty minutes from being on the mountain and skiing and snowboarding. Uh, you know, we 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 do those kind of things really well, um, and it's come at the expense, I would say, of some of our traditional sports. I so. would I would say that yeah, that's that's going to be difficult. So I know that I, did we talk last basketball season? I feel like I feel like, so. I th- feel like we talked. I, th- I feel like we talked heading into the season, and you guys hadn't. You guys had not won a league game, right? Uh, so last season was the first year that we had won a league game in the previous six. Right, right. Okay, so you did. Yeah. You did get a league victory, but now you've yes. switched to a different league. Yeah. Well, we've added. We picked up a few more teams. So, okay. um, so the Oregon classification system um, 
changes every they reclassify schools every four years so we just went through that and so we have uh four schools or three schools along the i-84 corridor from hood river all the way up to pendleton um and then but we also have two redmond high schools and also the prineville high school uh crook county high school Whoa. Uh, yeah that's so not going to be a fun drive yeah well pendleton's a three-hour drive crook county is about a penalty a three-hour drive too it's about the same so yeah so we we're kind of this big triangle of central to eastern oregon so can you you guys have to take those crappy yellow buses on those drives yes sir can you guys i mean i know hood river's got some money can't you guys put some scratch together and get you guys a nice travel bus to rent it would be awesome yeah um the the problem with renting those buses is that there's nobody local there's no local company that has buses Hmm. yeah and so you'd have to rent one out of portland and, you know, I mean, then you're adding another hour of drive time for that driver um, and the bus and fuel costs and et cetera. So it's just not practical. Mm. Well, uh, you should you should pitch the school district to purchase a bus for the school district. That would make a lot of I think it would make a lot of sense, too. Um, but it's you know, I, I'm not aware of the details on that on how much a, a nice travel bus actually costs i know other school districts have done it um and especially smaller school districts so it can be done i feel like you i feel like you could go out in the community and sell that and raise the money and make that happen i feel like you could get community support for that i would hope so um i'm not sure i'm i can only assume that it's it if it could have been done it would have been done but that's a pure assumption on my part Yeah, yeah i don't i don't know i wouldn't make that assumption i would I, w- I would add that to your list of things to try to accomplish, you know. <laughs> yeah. Leave that leave that as your legacy in Hood River is there this you go. is the this is me the Donnie Hernison Memorial uh travel bus. <laughs> I like the idea. So we uh but. so it's interesting because my dad was a football coach in uh mm-hmm. southeast Montana for a little while mm-hmm. and for a small Catholic uh Native American high school. Basically, like Catholic Native American, high yeah. School? So basically, basically like Shamawa, which uh, except except for the Catholic part, right? Mm, okay. Um, so they would travel long, long ways. Like they have the the and they have that bus. Like they'd have to do overnight trips just to go play football because wow. some of their trips were so far away. So, um, and then the high school that I graduated from, uh, the vaunted uh, Cole Strip High School in uh, Montana. They had mm-hmm. one of those travel buses because Coal Strip's out in the middle of nowhere. I think the closest, the closest drive uh, was like thirty-five minutes to play one of the high schools, but everything else was, you know, more than a hundred miles away. Wow, that's yeah, that's well, yeah. So we we only have one school within a hundred miles. Yeah, um, yeah, being the Dallas, um, but you know the um, the rest of them, like I said, are um, Fairly far, yeah. So yeah, even down to Redmond is it's probably somewhere right around a hundred something miles. God, that's gonna, those are going to be yeah. some long nights on those long travel days. Yeah, well, yeah, especially when they're on Tuesdays. Um, oh. You know, so those are the hard ones. Um, like, um, well, actually, we open up. Uh, we open up at Silverton this year. What? Uh, yeah, so uh, Silverton was the, I believe they finished number two uh, in our division last year at state. Um, so. Uh, so they got second place at state last year. 
we then the next week we head back down to Cascade in Amsville. Um, and they finished, I think, second or third as well. Um, but in the 4A division. So we're in the, we play in the 5A division. Silverton finished number two or number three in 5A. Cascade finished number two or number three in in 4A. Um, and so we've got a, a a heavy load right at the top. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge. Go out there and challenge your girls, and uh, hey, maybe they'll maybe they'll set the tone for uh, for a great season ahead. Yeah, hopefully. We <laughs> if no. for those of you watching on News Channel Eight, if you could see his face, um, <laughs> let's uh, we'll we'll wrap it up with uh, high, our high school sports segment here with. How about our San Diego Wolverine high school football team? It's nice to see, you know, like they're they're having a lot of success still. Um, you know, what's most fun to see is that you know it's it's the kids of the people that we went to school with mostly. It's interesting. Yeah. San Diego goes on twenty year cycles, so and it's the same names. Yeah. So you look at the 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 state championship team that my dad was on and and David Plotz was on was nineteen seventy five. So you know. And yep. then, you know, you run it back to 95, 96, 97, you know, that's, that's us. And then, kids, and then now it's, you know, on the yeah. other plots leading the way. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's and just. Tinnies and Davidson's and, you know, like it's all the same names that we've seen in Mill City for quite a long time. So. They are, they, they. I don't know how that game went. I, I didn't really see any highlights. Or all I know is that they smoked them. Uh, yeah. And Glide never really had a chance. Yeah, and then they're up against uh, Monroe this coming week, which will be a state title game rematch. Woo. So yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I think uh, San Diego is ranked is ranked fifth, and Monroe is number two, I, b- I believe. Yeah. That sounds so. Right. Yeah, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Be uh, be rooting for him. Let's say it that way. We this is this is just the part of the podcast where where we like to reminisce <laughs> about high school. Uh, you know, <laughs> we we had uh, we had so many good times. Uh, of course, this uh, Veterans Day weekend uh, meant uh, alumni basketball tournament back in Mill City. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you weren't able to make it this year. I haven't been back for alumni. Um, since 1999, I want to say. Since the year after we graduated, yeah. I think well. that was the last time I was there. Well, it, but for me, it had been a couple years because I left in the fall of 97. Um, All right, true. And, and, yeah. moved, and moved to Montana. So I I want to say the last time I was at alumni tournament was 99. Maybe it might have been 2000. Wow. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's it's quite a while. Yeah. Haven't so, haven't made it back. Uh, I usually seem to only make it back to the canyon at times when no one is going to be there. So that's and that's one of the arguments that I've had against um, going back to. Well, it's, it's funny because every year um, my wife makes fun of me because every year I get back from Mill City after the limit tournament and I'm like, hey, don't let me go back to that next year. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, just just remind me what I felt like at this point and say, don't let me go back and. This is the first year. I I think I've said that for the last five years. And and this year she called me out on it. It's like, hey, you said, don't let you go back. And you know we've got a lot of stuff going on. So this year I don't think you should go back. I'm like, all right, that's true. That's a good point. So, um, with everything going on this weekend, uh, it was just a, a hectic weekend for the family. So it was one year where I was not able to make it back. This is I've only missed two years since we graduated. Um, 
the first year this this year and um about eight years ago i tore my acl coaching basketball uh and so and i uh got hurt uh and so it was the, the following fall where i was not able to play yet um and so there was only two times i missed so i don't feel too bad about missing you know this year not too bad i i believe i saw someone say something to the effect of something about a transition year for the alumni tournament do you is, what's happening with there so the um to be politically correct let's put it this way um so after coach Plotz, Mr. david Plotz, uh, who was our basketball coach after he stepped down uh, as the coach and he stepped down from running the tournament the the tournament went through a long swing of just not being that great people not coming back people not interested but also um, the people who were organizing and running the tournament did not put that much effort into organizing it. Right. Um, it became uh, so the the tournament is the I, I believe the major fundraiser for the boys team. It might be for both boys and girls. I don't know. Um, but um, the coaches are typically in charge of running that tournament. And since Coach Plot stepped down, every single coach uh, that they've hired has not been a, a, a Mill City guy, but has not been anybody who has any connection really to Mill City, to Sandy Am, to the Canyon at right. all. So it's really been, I, I think, uh, it became more of a, it was looked at as just a fundraiser, not necessarily an event that people wanted to be at. Right. Um, you know, and so, and for those of us that grew up with it, you know, it was uh, it was one of the highlights of the year. Yeah. Um, and and as an alumni, you know, being able to go back and see friends, the basketball tournament is really secondary to being able to see your friends. Mm-hmm. And so, and it became more about the. I think it was, some of the coaches looked at it as more of a hassle to organize it rather than that being the the fact that it, that that tournament actually meant something to the community. Yeah. And um, so the transition now is going away from that. You still don't have. Um, coaches um so both the boys coach um and so the boys coach you know that is uh he's still he's the same guy that's been there for the last couple of years but he also he's he has stepped down from organizing the tournament um because i I believe some alumni have approached him and said we want to take this over because it's been so crappy (laughs) gotcha so um and so i think that's what's happened that's the transition um and you have people like uh, I want to say like Alicia Corey and Jamie Plotz, um, they have stepped up since they're still there too. They have stepped up to to try and take it over and try and make it back into what it what it used to be. Now, however, I'll say is I, I don't know that I believe that that can ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the fact, the simple truth is, Mill City is not what it used to be. Yeah. So you know, to get the the, the tournament back to what it was back in, back then, I don't think that can happen. But uh, you know, all power to them, and I hope they can. Yeah. What is how? How do you? How would you get people to come back? It's it's hard, you know. Um, you know, you have I know for in my own circumstance, um, it, it's hard. Just I don't have family in the area too much anymore. Yeah. So to be able to go back and it's like just even you know where are you going to stay for two days? Yeah. You know, there's you know there's there's nowhere to stay if you don't have family there. Um, there, there's not even like a, a common. I, there's not a place to to stay at all. Like you can't even. There's not a hotel. <laughs> yeah. If you if you were going to do that, the closest one I would say is Staten. So even if you were to want to stay and pay somebody to, to, to pay to stay somewhere, 
you know, you'd have to do that. I don't know. I've never looked to see if there's like an Airbnb or anything like that in, in, in Mill City. There, there may be. Um, I have no idea. But, you know, that's um, that's the number one concern for me every year. And, and granted, I've had lots of friends say, especially, hey, especially after you've me. especially after you spend a few hours at the trio. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> so yeah, the it, I, there's lot, been lots of friends that have said, yeah, you come stay with us, you know. But then it's like it's just always awkward when you're staying with somebody for a whole weekend. Yeah, you know? uh, it's tough, you know. Uh, and everybody's got families, you know. Like we're it, that's one thing that's actually been surprising to me. Not surprising, but uh, an interesting thing to look back on and noticed. There's a, a lot of people that stayed in Mill City and had kids right away. Right. Um, and so, you know, their kids are all like in high school now or something graduating in a lot of cases. Um, and there's a lot of us that that waited. Um, and so there's a whole lot of us in that situation where our kids are really small right now. Um, and so, you know, in, in that middle school or younger age. And so that makes it tough to travel as well. Yeah. So do you think they have to try to come up with some sort of incentive to try to get people to come back or – well, Is the there... tournament itself, the tournament itself, you know, being able to see friends and that kind of thing, that, in, in my mind, should be incentive enough. You yeah. know, uh, you know, that's like I said, that's what the tournament's all about. The, the basketball is secondary to that. Um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you know, we saw people that looked like they'd gone back and gotten hurt, and and that's right. always a concern at at our advanced ages. You know, <laughs> trying to 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 go back and and do uh, a couple of games in a couple of days and and not get hurt is, is always a concern, you know? Um, and so I know, cause especially if you have a job where, you know, if you get hurt, it really matters, yep. then that, that's going to be a big, a big problem. And so, and in addition, like this year, um, so with Sandy Ann playing in the, the football playoff game on Friday night, they altered the schedule. Uh, so typically in a normal year, you would play a game on Friday night and a game on Saturday and a game on Sunday. Uh, this year they altered it to do because of that football playoff game, and we're going to do two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. And I know from from when they've done that in the past, that's hard to do. Yeah, um, it's it's hard to play two games in a day. Um, and you know, especially like we're all competitive, like you know, so we, you know, you're trying. You're not out there just jogging up and down the court and throwing the ball around. It's people are trying to play basketball. Uh, and so it's you put in a lot of effort in, and to do that twice in a day, except and, and, and we're not getting any younger, <laughs> so it's tough. <laughs> so I, I while while you were uh, talking about that, I did look. There is one Airbnb in Gates, and there's okay. one in Mill City. That's all. The one in Mill City, some dude has it priced at like eight hundred dollars a night. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I'm not understanding what that's all about. So, I, I'm thinking that maybe that person doesn't know how to use Airbnb, or maybe that's supposed to be the monthly price, and he has it in the wrong. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's. What about the one in Gates? Uh, the Gates know. was like a hundred and three dollars. Yeah, that's that's not, not bad. bad. No. Yeah, for a house or for a room? Uh, no, it looked like it was a house. Wow, that that is impressive. But it is also his Gates. So, well, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with being from Gates, sir. You watch it, watch yourself, You're watch yourself, right. yeah. watch yourself. <laughs> so, did you notice happen? Did you happen to notice the story, the election story out of Gates? I didn't. What happened? Uh, nobody wanted to run for city council. Really? There were zero candidates for all city council positions. Huh. And mayor, I think, actually, too. So, You're telling me you couldn't get Mark Hansen to run for a city council spot? 
Apparently not. I'm yeah. gonna have to. I'm gonna have to call him and tell. Uh, you know, here's the problem. I don't know where Mark's at politically anymore. I know that every time that uh, I saw him, he was more and more of some guy that I used to see load up in a crummy every morning. That uh, <laughs> so, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just right. you know. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think I've seen Mark not in flannel in years. Yeah, uh, he. So. so he popped up uh, in a couple of pictures. I think they went to a wedding or something in Mexico, and so was he wearing I'm, flannel? No, he wasn't wearing flannel. Oh, oh wow! But it, not to mention what he—it's the fact that his picture was on the internet at all was impressive. Yes. That's but, a good point. Uh, yeah, yeah. So those, I was able to spend those uh, Hansons. Uh, those Hansons do not embrace technology. No, uh, I at the the San Am State Championship was that two years ago now. Yep. Uh, for basketball, uh, I was able to hang out with Mark uh, for that game, um, and he's doing well, you know. And so he, uh, we got to chat for a while. It was it was nice to see him, uh, and and Nate Ort as well, another guy that was not a social media presence. No, they so, just yeah. there's something about maybe they uh, hey maybe they got it right, living their best lives up in the canyon, staying off the social media. I'm guarantee I I bet their lives uh, are are filled with a different kind of joy than ours. I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. I think they're doing they're, they're doing things the right way. The easy way to not get fired up about everything that's outside of your control. So, so uh, speaking of things that bring you joy, have you seen this uh, Get the Trumpy Bear? Yeah, you like that? It's, I just sent that to you. Yeah, geez. I thought you'd appreciate that. So that uh, that uh, how do you say it? that product? Uh, I happened to run across on Twitter this morning, yep. um, but it was people complaining about it being a commercial on Fox News. Yeah. Yep. Uh, have you seen that? I did. I saw that, and I was like, yeah, I don't really care. I do love the yeah. fact that uh, you can pull, uh, you can find the secret compartment in the back of the bear, and there's an American flag mm-hmm. that you can just wrap yourself in. That's Right. The no- nothing speaks of nationalism as wrapping yourself in a, a flag and so, that you pulled out of the back of a bear. <laughs> so amazing. So before we go, I don't, let's not let's not go down that road at this point. We've uh, <laughs> we've kept you here long enough. It's uh it's a holiday weekend. You know, still have some time to you know go hang out with the kids and enjoy your day as you head off to start another basketball season. But before I let you go, we have to get to what has become a recurring segment. On just another white guy's podcast, and that is, of course, the list. So, the list. Mr. Hernison, the premise of this is everyone has, you know, a person that they look at and go, "Yeah, I think she's really hot," or "Hey, if I was having a conversation with my significant other and she gave me a hall pass for a night, I would like this famous person to be on that list." So, I ask you, sir, what is your list? Let's, you, you know, most of the time they go with like a top five. You can go a top three or, you know, what, what do you got? Hit me, hit me with what you got so that we can uh, talk about it and I can make fun of you. I'll throw some out at you. Okay. Um, I, it, I'll tell you, lately I have um, on Instagram, I've uh, kind of, I don't know if you're going to say fallen into the trap or not, but um, I've, I've been following a number of different golfers. Golfers, right? okay. Uh, I, uh, golfers, right, yeah. I'm, uh, professional golfers and um, and you may be shocked to know that most of them are not men. 
Um, but yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. It's 2018, and you can love who you love. I would have imagined that most of the people on your list would not have been men, but uh, right. You know, that's that's just me. I don't know. So I'll give you some names. I'm not sure if you know who all these people are. Okay. Uh, so the the first one I'll throw out is Paige Renee. Paige Renee. Paige Renee. Oh, bring up your Instagram. Okay. Uh, and, and search Paige Renee. Uh, Paige Renee. Uh, and, and or on golf. the Instagram. P A I. Oh, Paige Baranic. Uh, oh yes, true. Yes, uh, yeah. That's I heard. That's her. her uh, oh yeah. Her I know who Paige. Yeah. I know who Paige Baranic is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Um. So that would be one. Dude, would, she was I born. She was born in 1993. Oh, we are creepy old people. Yes. Yeah. So, and like I said, so yeah, none of these folks. Well, no, I've got some older folks on here too. I'll, I'll throw out some more. Okay. Um. And in the same vein as as Paige Brannick, I'll throw out also Blair O'Neill. Blair O'Neill. Hmm. That another, that's not another, a name. Another golfer. She's on the Golf Channel, man. So you, yeah. So what you're telling me is you're going you're going athletic. Oh, of course. Why not? All right. Not all. Actually, that's actually those two are the only the only two athletes that are on my list. Yeah. Blair uh, oh, hello. Right. Hi. How are you, Blair O'Neill? <laughs> There's a picture of her standing by a pool with a cocktail in her hand. All right. I can I can see that. All right. On on Instagram? Are you looking at that? Right, uh, no, it's just a Google image. This first picture oh, okay, right. this first picture on Paige Peranic's Instagram right now, the most recent picture. Holy shit. I'd have to bring that one up. Uh... Her waist is about as big around as my forearm. <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, anyway so those are two uh, those are the only two athletes like i have uh, i got another one that you you um, but she and this is the only local and like local i mean like oregon um and she's a uh, locally and i think she just left portland um she's on kdw news uh, but mckinsey roth Mackenzie Roth. That's another Mackenzie M C K I N Z I E. That's that's another Instagram one for you to look up. Okay. Mackenzie yeah. Roth, um, and she may be the top one out of all of them. Like I said, she's just a local reporter person. So, uh, so let me make sure I get that one right. Mackenzie. Yeah, I'm. I'm with that. I'm with that. Okay. All right. Um, and then after that, it gets pretty. Actually, you know, I'll give you uh, a, a, an interesting one that you may not be uh, too hot on, but uh, I threw in Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton going royalty on us. All right. Why not? Yeah. Hey, she's a princess. She's a princess. Come on. <laughs> who hasn't? Who yeah. hasn't wanted to have a princess on their list? <laughs> and let's see. Uh, after that, it gets a little murky. Um, yeah, I th- you know, you got like uh, standards, you know, like a Carrie Underwood or, or uh, Kate Hudson. Yeah, you know, people like all that. Res- you know? All respectable so. choices. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna. So, yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. I think. I think this. I think Mackenzie Roth is the is the uh, is the winner for me. She's yeah, like I said, and she's just a a, a local reporter. Hey, no. so, local reporters, no. you know, they can be whoa, hell <laughs> yeah. Hey now. Well, yeah. Hey yeah, now. I, I think she just left 
uh, Oregon. She she's been in Oregon the last couple of years, um, but just just took off. Um, so I'm not sure where she's going either. But so anyway, so Welcome. that would be uh, the list I'll give you. That's that is a heck of a list. Those are some uh, those are some people that uh, I would not have expected, but are all worthy of being on your list so we applaud you for that the last thing that we're going to do is uh as a fun little exercise that uh, i've started doing uh of course uh, everyone that's been listening recently knows my love for the tv show inside the actor studio and of course at the end of inside the actor studio they always ask the pivo questionnaire and uh it's 10 quick questions 10 quick answers just to find out a little bit more about you so uh mr henderson here we go uh what is your favorite word Favorite word? Yes. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, favorite word? Obviously, uh, not an English major. Uh, not not at all. Um, but um, and, and when you say favorite word, you're asking like just a, a word that I use most often. No, or... I'm, I'm asking you what is your favorite word. Like my favorite word is fiduciary. Fiduciary, it's a good one. I just think it's a fun uh, word. Um, I think it's a fun word to say. I don't even care what it means. I do know what it means, but I don't care. It's just a fun word to say. What's your favorite word? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll throw out uh, constitutionality. There you go. What's your least favorite word? Moist. There you go. What What turns you on emotionally, spiritually, or creatively? Nature nature not a not a not a well-run out of bounds play no not, not. <laughs> <laughs> what what what, tur- what turns you off hypocrisy what is your favorite curse word oh gosh i just was using one the other day um but i have small children i don't curse anymore man uh, mm-hmm. so sure, um, sure, sure you don't First word. This um, this question never fails. Men get all weird about it, and women just say "fuck." Well, th- that's just the one that comes to mind. You know, like that's just the. It's probably the one I use most often. Okay. Um. Uh, you know. Um. So that's. I, I'd have to say that one as far like the one that just is just gonna slip out. Gotcha. You know, it's gonna be all right. What sound or noise do you love? Traffic. You love the sound of traffic? Oh, I thought you, I thought you said which one annoys you most. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's the next yeah. question. That's oh, sorry. Okay, sound well, or noise? Well, do you, sound or no. sound or noise? Do you hate? It's traffic. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, a, a, a river. A river. That's a good one. Being yeah. people don't understand, and if you're not from where we're from, there's so much just. And I didn't realize this until I was gone, but like how much we took, I took for granted. Like just the amazing beauty that we lived with on a daily basis. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and like I said, man, I I live in a much more contrasting place now than where we grew up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. What uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Interesting. No. Yeah. I always wanted to be a lawyer as well. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so, yeah. I, uh, what? Per, what profession would you not like to attempt? Uh, elementary school teacher. Ooh, brutal. The little ones. Yeah. 
Yeah, no way. But you can shape you can shape their little minds from such a young age. Yeah, I've uh, I've grown up past that idea. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, the final question of the Pivo questionnaire: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, sir, we're going to get you out on this yeah. one. We're going to we, yeah. we got to do this again sooner. Uh, we we waited, sure. we've waited a little bit too long and uh it seems like we always tend to to be a little more serious when you're on. I feel like uh we need to come up with some fun subjects next time so so you don't feel like uh, you have to be so serious. But uh, that's, that's all right. Yeah, it's always fun. Good luck with the uh, with the season coming up, and uh, we'll check in once you've uh, gotten a few games under the belt and see how things are going. If I don't uh, if I don't talk to you before then, have a uh, happy holiday. Enjoy Hawaii, and uh, when you're on your way to actually, I think I'll be I think I'll still be in Oregon while you're there. So maybe uh, maybe we'll have to meet up. I'll have my equipment. Maybe we'll do a live podcast while I'm in town. Ooh, that would be interesting. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Just Another White Guys Podcast. Thank you again to the man, Donnie Hernison, for being on the show with us. Hope that you all have a great week. Always protect the five hole. Hey, Ty, who's your favorite person? Only Dustin. Fucking right. Too much. Oh, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. Too much. Too much. Oh, it's too big, it was too much.